What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham. And guys, um, we're going to talk a little bit about what Brad Stevens has to do the rest of this offseason. Before we get to that, Grenham, you're out there scouting who the Celtics might take with the number 45 pick in the NBA draft, their only pick in this year's NBA draft, which is devastating for both of us, especially me as I watch more Bones Highland tape and just love that young man, love everything about that young man. But what, uh, what's, what stood out to you just in, in the first couple of days that you've been uh, in Chicago? Well, for one, Bones Highland, I've heard from multiple people, crushed his workout with the Celtics. So you'll be happy to know that he performed very well. He's very fun to watch. I am also a big Bones Highland guy. But day one of the combine today was actually super informative in terms of getting a look at some of the players. They changed the format just a little bit in terms of what they did. So they go by pods, like player by player. So they run through like all their agility testing and stuff. And then they do like a ton of on-court shooting with like a variety of drills, three-on-three, five-on-five transition stuff. Pretty cool like Jerome Allen was there and he was actually leading a lot of the drills alongside uh, a funny variety of coaches like Mike Bibby, Danielle Marshall, Chris Duhon. I had more fun picking out who these coaches were than watching the prospects for the first hour I was there today. But it was it was a very, very solid day. I mean, Tom, you and I have talked about Dacian Knicks in the past. G League Ignite guy, just significantly, so noticeably in better shape than he was with the G League Ignite. Like very slimmed down, conditioning-wise looked really, really solid. That's a significant update, not for the Celtics really, but for like teams who might be in the market for him. Like Austin Reeves from Oklahoma, really, really good. He surprised me on a number of levels. David Duke from Providence actually looked pretty good too. I know I'm biased there, but uh, Dave Duke, as I would like to call him, uh, JT Thor. So yeah, I mean, I could go through all the stuff. I'm sure that's exactly what Geno Time listeners want to hear, the second round prospects. But don't worry, I wrote about it on Forbes. So you can read all about your second round prospects on there. We'll definitely check that out. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, a lot less interest maybe in this year's draft, given that the Celtics are not picking. Moving on. Grenham, uh, why don't you uh, take us into our next segment here? All right. So our Geno Time draft, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Shades on Beer Company, the makers of the Geno Time Stout. It's uh, going to be available later on this summer. If you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, you can go check out the Shades on Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston, Rhode Island. Really, if you live in Massachusetts or anywhere in New England, take a ride over to West Kingston and uh, have some shades on. So today, our Geno Time draft is going to be kind of an extensive draft. We're going to go through Brad Stevens' off-season to-do list post Kemba Walker trade. Obviously, that was a major you know mark on that checklist. Now that's behind him, we're going to go through uh, what else he has left. So... So I just fired up the list randomizer and I will take the first pick followed by Grenham and then Tom. I always find it a little suspect when you get the first pick on your uh, (laughs) randomizers, but I'll I'll let it slide yet again. (laughs) All right. So with the first pick, shockingly, I'm going to take that Brad needs to hire a head coach. It is kind of funny, though, that this was not his first move as an executive, that he executed this trade first, but he does still need to hire a head coach. I imagine that is what will come next. I don't know. Maybe he'll surprise us again, but I do think that that will be the next move. Seems like based on some reports, Ime Udoka is the front runner, along with maybe Chauncey Billups. That is in line with names we've seen floated around. That is in line with the trend that they seem to favor former players right now. 
And he also would be a black head coach, which I think is important for this organization and clearly important to Jalen Brown, who is an important player on this team. So I think he would make for a great hire. He was a longtime assistant for Greg Popovich on the Spurs. And right now he's obviously working with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, Steve Nash, et cetera, on the Nets. So clearly he has a lot of experience and has had probably good opportunities under Popovich to develop as a as a coach. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening. I guess because they already traded their pick, it's not like as urgent, but I still would expect maybe an announcement by the end of the month. I think they are going to have to move somewhat quickly here. You don't want to go through the entire pre-draft process. Even if you only have a second round pick, you still want to have like your staff relatively intact. And free agency realistically is just over a month away. It's not that far away. So you need to get your new staff in there. Right. And I assume he'll then want to bring in assistants and hire some people to add to the staff and sort of build out what that would look like. So yeah, I I agree. And just from a due diligence standpoint, and like knowing Brad Stevens, he's going to want to do as much research as possible into the draft, regardless of where the Celtics are actually picking. Well, and most importantly, like we were talking about before we uh, got on the the pod, um, they need to figure out who the summer league coach is going to be. That might be my... (laughs) The, the the one the one thing I will add to what Nicole was saying, it, you know, it does sound like Chauncey Billups is still very much in contention. Again, uh, you can hear our thoughts on that on a, a previous episode. I also think with the Chauncey Billups email comparison, one there there are some really big red flags as you just noted with Chauncey Billups. I think Ime Udoka, outside of that, is just a significantly better candidate. I know Chauncey Billups has a tremendous playing career behind him and can probably command a locker room as well as any of these candidates. But Ime Udoka is a really experienced coach, and he has the playing experience, and I think he has the respect of a lot of coaches already around the league. Like, if you're looking for a coach with solid experience in coaching, like, he's the obvious candidate here if it's between those two guys. I I don't know. I think... From a strictly basketball perspective and coaching perspective, I I think it's kind of straightforward between those two candidates. Obviously, we're not in the interviews. We don't know exactly what criteria they're using, but I think Ime Odoka is the, the better candidate here for sure. One other quick note before we move on to the second pick. I don't know how deep Jamal Mosley was in this process. I know they gave him a first interview, but it does sound like he is right at the top of that list for Dallas and taking Rick Carlisle's slot. Sounds like he's pretty tight with Luka and has a good relationship with that organization. So if he is still in the mix, it seems like Dallas very well could have the upper hand there. But all right, so away from coaching, my second pick, my first pick, the second pick, I'm going to go with re-signing Evan Fournier. I think Brad Stevens touched on it in his press conference earlier this week. It's kind of all about making life easier for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And you do need to re-sign Evan Fournier if you want that to be the case. If they don't bring him back, that's a serious skill set, you know, heading out the door. And I think you do need him in that core set of guys around Brown and around Tatum to help make life easier for them. I mean, he's a really versatile scorer and he's a really good player. Celtics fans didn't get to see it to its full fruition because he was going through a lot of stuff post COVID and he never really got to fully hit his stride in Boston. But I think he's a really important piece in terms of having a solid supporting cast around those two guys at the top of the roster. And and I think that's a problem if they're not able to re-sign him again. 
who knows what else is out there in the open market for him and uh, what other teams are willing to throw his way in terms of money. But I think it is of the utmost importance that they bring back Evan Fournier, because I do think he's a really important piece of the supporting cast. Definitely. And, and I thought, obviously, there was a report that the Celtics feel better about, you know, potentially bringing him back now that they have a little extra wiggle room in terms of in terms of money. So that kind of points to them bringing him back. I also I did think it was interesting that one, one of the things Brad mentioned a couple of times is that the Celtics want to get back in the mix as soon as possible. Um, and I wonder if, you know, signing 48 to one of those like kind of mid-level deals, one, you can keep him because he's a good offensive player. And two, if you do that, then maybe you can kind of keep him in, uh, just, just kind of keep him around and then also have him be, you know, a centerpiece or like a, a part of a trade that can help salaries match. So something to keep an eye on there too, I think. For my third pick, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird one. It's, it's, it's kind of a collective thing here. How Brad navigates any potential all-stars who become available, um, I think is really important. And I don't know what he's going to do. Like I, I, Jalen Brown sounds like he's super involved in this coaching search. So it sounds like the Celtics have kind of decided like, okay, you know, we want to keep Jalen around. That makes sense. He's a really, really good player. Let's say Damian Lillard becomes available. What are the, what does Brad Stevens do? Let's say, you know, Brad Stevens kind of makes it sound like, uh, or Bradley Beal, excuse me, makes it sound like that he might be open to a trade. What does Brad Stevens do? It might just be nothing. Like Brad might just be like, let's give the Jays another run. These guys are both really good. They're really young. They're under contract for a while. But I do think that, you know, when Brad talks about getting in the mix and when he talks about being one of those teams in the Eastern Conference that actually has a chance to make it to the finals, I think those all-star conversations are really important. And those are certainly conversations that Danny Ainge always seemed to have because we always heard the Celtics in every league. So we, I assume that like, you know, there was at least some conversation had there. So how Brad navigates that, I think will be really interesting. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's my number three. And then my number four is Rob. Really important. Uh, what, what are you going to do about his extension? It's an extremely confusing situation that something's find themselves in. Rob is an excellent player who can't stay healthy. Do they want to throw big money at a center prospect? They've gotten away with center by committee for quite a while now. Like, are they, are they willing to throw money at Rob Williams in that way? So I think he's a really interesting one. So that, that, that's my number three and number four. I'm in a bit of a, <laughs> I'm in a bit of a pickle with my last pick. Both of these options, people will probably laugh and say these are stupid, but they're interesting to me. And that's what matters most in my eyes. So I'm going to take drafting the number 45 overall selection. One, it's Brad's first draft pick. It'll be kind of interesting to see how he approaches draft. If he moves around in the draft, we know Danny Ainge liked to maneuver on draft night, like to swap picks. Who knows if Brad will be again. I think he's very much under the impression that this team doesn't need more draft picks. So he could very easily trade out of the second round. But I think more than anything, it'll just be kind of interesting to see how Brad approaches that first draft night, even though they only have the number 45 pick. I'm I'm still intrigued. And realistically, how they approach the rest of this pre-draft process, because they are going to have two two-way slots to fill, which certainly intrigues me. I mean, Taco and Tremont are both out because I don't think either of them are going to be brought back on guaranteed deals. So those are two slots that I feel like the Celtics take with relative importance. It seemed like they did kind of do their due diligence on both those guys. And so I'm curious to see what they do with those in addition to the draft. So I guess I kind of just took an additional pick. I don't know if either of you guys had the two-way slots on the, on the mind. Well, I mean, the Celtics, you know, in the past they have had, they've, they've brought in some pretty good 
players on those two-way slots. And obviously yep. one of them turned out to be one of the most reprehensible humans, you know, in NBA memory. But, you know, Jabari Bird was a guy who was a two-way guy and then ended up being on the team. So they do take these slots seriously. PJ Dozier is like a real contributor in, you know, in Denver. Like he's a good player. Like I think they do their research. I think they bring in guys who they actually want to take a good look at these two-way slots. I don't think they're just throwaways at all. I don't think that's a crazy one at all. I think that, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Something I should have said when we were talking about the coaching search and how like it's nice that they don't have the pressures of figuring out like what they want to do with the 16th overall pick but that doesn't mean that they're just going to brush off the pre-draft process like the Patriots even if they don't have a first round pick or even if they don't have a first round pick high enough to draft certain players they still scout everyone like they went to Trevor Lawrence's pro day like they scout as if they could because one I guess you never know what could happen in terms of what deals might become available who might fall to you but two in the future like you don't know when these guys might become available you don't know if you might want to trade for them in the future so it's just best practice to do your due diligence now to get your first impressions of these guys and that way when an opportunity does come to maybe acquire them you have like the most informed picture as possible obviously guys do develop and change from their pre-draft workouts but I think it's just good practice to engage in like the same level of scouting even when it might not be right in your range 100 I think the pre-draft process goes a long way for scouting throughout these guys careers like they have a relative idea of who these players are what they're good at, what they're what they're bad at when they enter the league, and then they follow them throughout the league. Like, there's a reason Dave Lewin watches so many goddamn basketball games. It's because it's not only just for the guys they draft; it's for down the road. So, I think that Patriots comparison is actually a, it's a pretty good one. And another reason why they like it too is because it helps them put into context other players too. Hundred percent. I'm sure that's not unique to the Patriots, but it speaks to the fact that they're not going to be brushing this off entirely just because they only have a 45th pick. But in regard to that 45th pick, I don't know if it's changed since we first talked about the draft a while back, but do you think BJ Boston could be available that low or do you think he'll definitely be off the board at that point? I think some team is going to talk themselves. I think some team would definitely talk themselves into him before 45. I would be fascinated to see like if he lasts to the second round, if the Celtics don't take something of, I mean, I don't know how the Celtics feel about BJ Boston. I don't know how, um, you know, how his pre-draft stuff is going to go. I mean, I would draft that guy. I, we've talked about him before he's really good the reason why i ask is because the last time whenever we did talk about the draft it was at least a month ago on tankathon they had him like projected in the like 40s i just i think that i think that some team is going to talk themselves into his potential well before that even though like yeah a lot of mock drafts do have him that low i just can't see a team like i mean like i can't see a team taking a look at like I, i i mean i don't know Dayron Sharp and being like, this is our guy way over, you know, BJ Boston. Like, you sure, man? If he does fall into that second round, which is totally possible, there are going to be so many teams trying to move up to grab him because he is the classic guy that you want to take a flyer on in the second round with a nice high ceiling, much higher than any of those second round counterparts you'd have. So I agree. I think it would be fantastic if the Celtics took a shot at him. I would prefer the Wizards take a shot at him in the second half, but or in the second round. But like, yeah, he's a he's a classic like high ceiling guy that you can that you can grab. Also, don't really know what's going on with Daron Sharp. Withdrew from the combine this morning. At least that was word on the street. So not sure uh, what old Daron's up to. But you guys want to talk about Daron Sharp? <laughs> <laughs> Literally less than anything in the world. I want. To talk about. <laughs> All right. Well, with the last pick, 
I'm between a couple of things. I think I'm going to go with just Brad building out his front office, like he alluded to during his press conference, how he wants to have a more robust front office. Danny Ainge had a pretty close-knit circle with Mike Zarin, Austin Ainge, and Dave Lewin. That was sort of his core four. And Brad seems open to bringing in more people. And I think it'll be interesting to see how wide of a network he builds. It'll be interesting to see like who he brings in, what types of people he brings in. Just, I don't know. I think that'll be a good reflection too of maybe his approach or his mindset. I'm curious to see what he does there. I mean, other things that I was thinking about drafting are pretty basic and we can get into them now too, I guess, since we finished. But like, he's clearly going to have to figure out what he wants to do at the bottom of the roster, who he's going to hang on to. I doubt Tremont, like Grenham said, I doubt Tremont Waters or Taco Fall will be back on a real NBA contract. I mean, does he want to keep Carson Edwards? Does he want to keep Shemi Ojale? Like who is going to get the boot? And then like, which veteran free agents is he going to bring in? Or like, who, how is he going to enhance the Jays as he described in his press conference? So that is all sort of like basic roles of a GM, like just assessing the free agent class and figuring out which players you want to bring back. But I think they're important decisions, especially given the Celtics roster and their competition for next year. Like he needs to hit on these moves in order for them to be contenders in the East at the very least. I think filling out the bottom of that roster and the bottom of the depth chart is pretty important. Like you saw when they ran into injury problems on numerous occasions this year that Celtics bottom of the roster just was not ready and was not able to be plugged in and ready to go. Obviously, it's not like, you know, most teams, yeah, you skip a beat or two, but the Celtics were really not ready at the bottom of the roster. And so Gary Washburn pointed out on the Washburn files, like other teams, the bottom of those rosters, like in Brooklyn and other teams, they were ready and the Celtics were not. And so I think Brad Stevens more than anyone knows that because he was the head coach dealing with the end of that bench. I think it'd be important for him to put a priority there and say, hey, we need to really fully fill out this roster because that's important. Over the course of an 82-game season, you're going to run into injury problems and you're going to need guys at the bottom of the roster that can that can come in and play. I think the fact that the Celtics couldn't withstand even just like one injury or one mm. absence just spoke to how fragile the roster was. Like obviously any team without one of their best players is going to have trouble in the postseason, but you got to be able to get by in the regular season because injuries do happen. And the fact that they couldn't, like whether it was Marcus Smart was out or Jason Tatum was out or Jalen Brown, like it just became for Kemba Walker. Like it was so difficult for them whenever they were missing one player. And I think that just spoke to like the roster construction and just how fragile it was. Whereas you see like, of course, the Nuggets aren't going to make like a finals run like they could with Jamal Murray, but like they had a respectable end to the season, even without him. And I mean, you saw the Nets all year. That's probably a different level because like it's three very, very good players. But like you just see other teams like be able to withstand injuries a lot better or absences a lot better than the Celtics were able to. So they, they've got to sure it up to some extent. And some of that shoring up will be some of the young guys. Like, I think Neesmith will be more ready to contribute this year. I mean, again, he'll have the full off season. He'll have a summer league. I assume he'll be at summer league. He'll have all of that. Um, same with Peyton Pritchard. Like, these guys will have a little bit more. But, yes, like, like 
Brad needs to bring in some vets who can actually play. Like that's, that's a huge thing. I mean, just you think about like what a difference Landry Shamit would have been. I, and I, again, like you said, um, that's Brooklyn. That's different. But like, just think what, I mean, Landry Shamit would have been this, like the sixth player. I think he would have been the, the, the first guy. Like you would have been like the second guy off the bench. Uh, he just, he would have been super crucial for this team. They need to find themselves a guy like that where I think they really need to find themselves a guy off the bench where you're just like, Oh wow. The Celtics got that guy like that. You know, like they just haven't had that. Like they got Tristan Thompson and it was like, okay, sure. <laughs> like sure enough, he was terrible. Like, so yeah, I mean, I just, I, they just, they need somebody who can, who can come in and be like a, you know, like, Oh wow. Celtics got him. That's, that's a nice pickup. That's going to, that's a vet. That That's a guy who's been around. That, that's great. So yeah. you can cut that. Sure enough. He was terrible. <laughs> clip that Justin Thompson does not have enough time Justin Thompson is out doing a lot of other things uh he's not listening to our podcast so wait did something happen with him last night yeah he cheated on Chloe again and they've broken up wait you're kidding Tristan Thompson cheated on Chloe Kardashian I'm as surprised as you guys but now they're broken up she like left him whereas actually well reportedly wow yeah because Phoebe did text me last night was like Tristan cheated on Chloe again shocker and I was like is this like a delayed report from the last time? She was like, no, apparently he went into a room with three women or something like that. And came out, quote, disheveled. Oh my God. And then he tweeted a bunch of caps. So of course he did. Anyway, Sorry, I, that was a sidebar. <laughs> I remember when they signed Jeff Teague and we were potting and like the reaction was like, so like, is Jeff Teague washed or like not washed? <laughs> what can he do still? That can't be the reaction to whatever veteran free agent Brad signs. Like it cannot be a repeat of Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson because then we're going to have the same issues. But if he hits on them and then Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith and maybe Romeo Langford, some of the younger guys progress in the way that we expect them to, that'll be a pretty good team. Definitely. And then you start getting into everything that we were saying toward the end of the season. You know, then you get to start getting into like, we all think that this team has plenty of potential next year if they can stay healthy, if they can have a real offseason, all the things that just so clearly plagued them all year and all of the things that sounded like excuses, you know, like you can't get like when the team is terrible and everybody's pissed, you can't get away with saying, well, listen, Aaron Neesmith didn't have enough time. Like, yeah, like you just can't get away with saying that. But at the same time, it's like you take a step back and it's like, well, they're a lot of things went wrong for this team and like they need to shore up some things for sure. And last year's team was not built well enough. And we don't know what role last year's team specifically played in Danny Ainge stepping down, but like, you know, he assembled a bad team and then he stepped down. Like, so I, I don't know, it doesn't feel completely unrelated, but this team still has like a ton of potential. And, and we've been saying it for a while. I, I, I still think there's a lot to like here. I also think you should look for Brad Stevens to be somewhat proactive, especially compared to last offseason. The Celtics were, to a point, handcuffed while they were waiting around for the Gordon Hayward stuff to play out. And then by the time they went to fill out the rest of the roster, oh, shit, it's only Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson left. Like, I guess we're going to bring these guys in. So ideally, they don't have to wait around for deals like that to, you know, sort themselves out. And Brad can be proactive in the first couple of days of free agency and hit a much more robust market compared to Danny Ainge attacking a very saturated market. Again, that's not an excuse, but still, that was part of the reason why the Celtics had a really bad offseason last year. And we'll probably do an episode going over like potential options and free agency, potential options at the number 45th pick, all that stuff. Oh, we will do multiple options on the number 45 pick. Don't you worry. We have so much time left of this offseason. <laughs> Like we're we're not even in the finals yet. We will we will get to everything. We will do a main Celtics roster projection. <laughs> 
All right, guys. Well, as always, uh, you know where to find us. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, if you've already left us a rating or a review, we really appreciate it. Please, uh, if you haven't, we would definitely appreciate it as well. And we will talk to you all again later this week.